0: Lord, it is such an honor and a joy for us to offer our best to the king of all kings. The king that was born in a manger over 2,000 years ago came in humility. The king of the universe came in humility. Born to die, to take our place. So Lord, it is the joy of our heart today to give you the best that we have to offer to give you the best to bring to you our worship. It's why we're here. It's why we are gathering on this day. This day that the world stops. The world stops for many different reasons today. But we stop today as your people to give you the best. To worship you we understand what this day represents. Every day is a day to celebrate your incarnation, but today we know what this day means in our heart. It means that you loved us so much that you came to be one of us so that we could become like you, so that we can have your righteousness Lord, we thank you for what this represents. We thank you for the privilege of worshiping you today. Lord, as we move forward to the next part of this service, as we're going to open your word, and as we're going to take a time to stop and to listen to what you would say to us, Lord, I pray that you would open every heart today, that everyone would be receptive to hear, what it is that the Holy Spirit would want to say to each one. And Lord, I pray that you would help me to open my mouth, to preach your word, and to exalt Christ. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Merry Christmas. You can be seated this morning. Would you give a good round of applause to the worship team, to the violinist, Everyone that the children. Beautiful, beautiful time. Well, I'm glad to be here today. You know, it's interesting. Christmas on a Sunday. Christmas on a Sunday. You know, it happened in 2016, right? How many of you were here in 2016 whenever we worshipped at Living Word Church on a Sunday? I was here in 2016. You know, it's not gonna happen again for 10 years. Because of a leap year, it won't be another six years, it'll be another ten years. So you are of the privileged few that once-in-a-decade opportunity to worship Christ together on Christmas Day in God's house. Amen? Amen. Once-in-a-decade group here today. Amen. So we've been going through the book of Malachi leading up to Christmas service. And the book of Malachi is written by the prophet Malachi. It's the last book of the Old Testament And the prophet Malachi is speaking to God's people. And the heart of the prophet to God's people is to call them back to himself. And that's what we've looked at over the last three weeks leading up to this service, to this message. I titled the message this morning, The Son of Righteousness. And we're going to look at two verses in Malachi 4. But the heart of what the prophet is saying from God is he's calling his people back to himself. And there is a tendency that all of us have, whether we are believers in Christ or we're not, sometimes we can feel like that if we're believers in Christ that, that, that we don't stray. But I believe that there are times as Christians that we do stray. There's times where we walk away from that fervency and that, that passion for the Lord, and, and the Lord calls us back to himself, and he's reminding the prophet here the last book of the Old Testament is reminding his people. God's reminding his people through the prophet To not forget his law, to not forget his ways, to, to, to be separate from the world. And he's reminding, he starts with the priest, and we saw that in week one of this series. He's telling the priest, You're not obeying my law, you're not obeying my words, and you're leading my people astray, and you're not pointing them to righteousness and to holiness. God is calling them back and he's calling them to return and the people don't feel like they've left and they don't feel like they've abandoned God and God's reminding them, no, no, this is how you have left me. You've, you've, you've left me by not, by not honoring me in your relationships. You've left me by not honoring me in your marriages. You've left me by not honoring me with all of your life, by not honoring me with your goods and your finances and, and I'm calling you back. And then we get to chapter four. And at the end of this chapter, when this final, these final words are spoken by the prophet to God's people, there's going to be 400 years of silence before John the Baptist comes on the scene and you see it in the opening of the Gospel of Matthew. John the Baptist will come onto the scene and, and you'll see the prophetic voice of God comes back and John the Baptist declares, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But before John the Baptist comes on the scene, the prophet Malachi is going to declare the last prophetic words from God to declare to his people that now is the time to return because judgment is coming. There's a day in time where judgment is going to come. And so but before the years of silence begins, the prophet Malachi has these words. Look at Malachi chapter 4. It will be on the screen for you. Malachi 4, verses 1 through 2, it says, For behold, the day is coming burning like an oven when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts. So it will leave them neither root nor branch, but for you who fear my name. The sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings, and you shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. So before the judgment of the Lord will come, before the son of righteousness will rise in judgment, he will rise in incarnation. He will rise as Emmanuel, God, with us. And so with these final words before 400 years of silence, before Christ will come in the incarnation, before that, there's three realities we want to see from this this last prophetic word from God to his people. Kind of three realities from this prophetic section in Malachi, the culmination of what we've been looking at in the book of Malachi. The first reality is this. The darkness is pervasive in the lives of those who reject the light. The darkness is pervasive in the lives of those who reject the light. 400 years of darkness, of silence. Some people have called that 400 years the dark ages. After Malachi prophesied and after the the people received this word, some people called that 400 years the dark ages. You know, when God... Go silent. It truly is dark when God goes silent. And God speaks of the curses of disobedience. For the disobedient, for the lost, for the spiritually blind. This is the dark time. And for those that are in the darkness, it is pervasive. For those who reject the light, the light of God. Listen to what God's word says about those who reject the light that God has provided. Deuteronomy 28 says this, the Lord will strike you with madness and blindness and confusion of mind and you shall grope at noonday as the blind grope in darkness. You shall not prosper in your ways and you shall be only oppressed and robbed continually and there will be no one to help you. It's the idea that those who are in darkness, who've rejected the light, rejected the warning of God, it's like they're stumbling about in the darkness. If you ever... You ever been in your house when the storm comes through and the lights go out? I think all of us in South Louisiana know what that's like and what that's about during hurricane season, don't we? Or through, in the middle of strong thunderstorms, when the lights go out, what do you do? You, you fumble about in the dark and you're looking for light. And, and many of us today, what's the first thing that you grab whenever you're looking for light? Your cell phone on your nightstand and you put on the light. You're fumbling about and you're knocking over the lamp and you're knocking over your glasses and you're trying to find the light. This is the picture of what it's like for those who are in the dark who have rejected the light and God's people had rejected the light of God and, and the prophet was warning them that judgment is coming and the darkness is pervasive for those who reject the light. It's like you're stumbling about Acts 17 Paul says this: From one man he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way towards Him, and find Him, that He's not far from any one of us. Another way to describe the blindness for those, the darkness and the blindness for those who are in the dark. Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians. It says that the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the glory of Christ. The darkness is pervasive in the lives of those who reject the light. And surely after 400 years of no voice from the Lord, people would receive when the light broke through the darkness. You would think, right? After the light broke through the darkness, after God became flesh, you would think that when light broke in to the darkness, the people of God who had rejected God and God had warned them to the prophet Malachi, the closing prophetic word, you would think that when God became man and light walked the earth in the incarnation, that God's people would, re- would receive, that they would be receptive. But it's interesting, the prophet Isaiah speaks about the suffering servant Jesus. He speaks about Christ. And it was written 700 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Think think about this. Picture this. 700 years before Christ was born in Bethlehem, the prophet Isaiah writes about how his people would still reject the light. They would still reject the truth. And this prophetic word is written from the position of Israel speaking, looking back about how they did not receive Christ. Listen to this, Isaiah 53. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him. Jesus wasn't attractive to to the people when he came, to the world, to the earth. No beauty that we should desire him. He was common, he was everyday. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their face. Listen, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Israel says, We esteemed him not. He came and we look back now. We see he was the light of the world, he was the Messiah. But he came in all of his glory and all of his light, and he didn't look like what we were looking for. He didn't look like the Messiah we were looking for, and so we esteemed him not. We didn't give the best for the king. We didn't honor him as he rightly deserved. And You know, the truth is is that just as Israel rejected God and his ways in Malachi's day and rejected Christ in the incarnation because he wasn't what they wanted as a Messiah, Still today, men reject the light of the suffering servant of of Isaiah 53. Still today, they reject him, listen, because he's not what they're looking for. He's not what they're looking for. We don't don't mind a baby in a manger, do we? It's beautiful. It's cute. Didn't you love the nativity scene and it's cute and we don't mind a baby in a manger. We don't mind even a replacement for Christ in the person of Santa Claus because we like gifts and we like generosity we like to give and to receive gifts we don't mind a baby in a manger we don't mind santa claus we don't mind lights around the house or around the tree what man rejects is the light that broke through the darkness as the sinless son of god whose gospel shines a light into the darkness of our hearts that's what we mind as humanity as humanity we don't like the light that exposes who we really are in our sin And so we reject the light. So I think so often during Christmas time, people will say this, give us Santa, give us lights, give us presents, give us trees, but not the tree of Calvary. And just as there was no room for Jesus 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem, many today still find no room for him in their hearts. The darkness is pervasive in the hearts of those who are blinded to it. Over 400 years of silence was broken and through the darkness has shone a great light and just as men rejected the light of Christ as he walked the earth today, men and women are still rejecting the prophetic voice of Christ as he speaks today as our prophet, our priest, and our king. The darkness is pervasive in the lives of those who reject the light. And secondly, here's the next reality that we see from this prophetic voice of Malachi. The darkness is pervasive In the lives of those who reject the light. But secondly, the light is brighter than the sun for those who have eyes to see. The light is brighter than the sun for those who have eyes to see. Look back to the text in Malachi. Malachi 4, 1 through 2. For behold, the day is coming, the prophet warns. Burning like an oven when all the arrogant and all the evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts so that it will not leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall rise. Judgment's coming. Judgment's coming. The day is coming when evil and evildoers will be judged. Do you know that? The day is coming. The Bible tells us of this. It tells us of this very clearly in his word, in God's word, that judgment is coming, that one day men will be accountable. People can often live their lives like they will not have ultimate accountability For their decisions. You ever met somebody like that? They live their life as if, as if this moment in time they're living is the only moment in time that they will ever live. And that after death, there really is nothing in their mind. And so they live as if there's no ultimate accountability for their choices. But the day will come when judgment will come. And this is what the prophet Malachi is warning. He says there will come a day when judgment will come. It's coming. And it shall set ablaze all the evil and the evil doers. Wow! But aren't you glad for the next few words right there? The next three words, "But for you," aren't you glad for the "But for yous" in the Bible? How many "But for yous" do you have? Do we have here today? But for you, what? What, is, what does the text say? But for you who fear my name, but for you who fear the name of the Lord Jesus, is not just a baby in a manger right? He's not just a baby in a manger, but for you, Christmas doesn't just represent gifts or trees or lights, but for you, Christmas represents God becoming man. But for you, Jesus is salvation, forgiveness, and freedom. But for you, Jesus is hope and peace and joy. Amen? But for you who fear my name. I love what the prophet Isaiah describes when he describes those who Fear the Lord in Isaiah chapter 9. It really is a parallel of what we're looking at here through the prophet Malachi. Listen to what it says in Isaiah 9. The people who walked in darkness, who are stumbling about in darkness, the people who walked in darkness have what? Have seen a great light. Have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep, on deep darkness, on them has light shown. Amen? For to us, a child is born. To us. A son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. For those who fear the name of the Lord, the darkness will never be overcome. The darkness will never overpower the light of Christ. For those who fear the name of the Lord. You know, the prophet prophet Zechariah, he served God's people in the temple, and his wife, Elizabeth was barren. You remember the story in the, in the Gospels. And, and the angel appears to him and tells him his wife will have a son. And Zechariah didn't believe the word of the Lord. And so he was mute until his son was born. And after his son was born, he was silent until John was born. And he began to break out in a prophecy. And he prophesies about John, but he also prophesies about Christ. Listen to the prophecy of Zechariah. Luke chapter 1 it says, In you, child, Will be called the prophet of the Most High, speaking of John. And you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby, listen, the sunrise shall visit us from on high. The sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in his wings whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. But for you who fear my name, what? The sun of righteousness shall rise. The sunrise shall visit us from on high. So who is the sunrise that visits us from on high? Who is the sun of righteousness that shall rise? Is Jesus, right? In the incarnation, Jesus is the son of righteousness that shall rise. Those who fear his name, those who fear the name of Jesus have had their eyes healed. They can see correctly now. Those who are, are in the darkness, the darkness is pervasive. But those who have seen the son of righteousness rise in their hearts now, they can see correctly. Their eyes have been healed. They see the world around them differently. They can see clearly. They can see clearly. I remember one time, I was in Bible college when I was 18, 19 years old, lived in Baton Rouge, and anybody in here ever get migraines? I get migraines from time to time, and if you know, if if you wear glasses, you know that when you get a headache or you wear contacts, you want to take those contacts off, take those glasses off, because it relieves pressure from your eyes, and so I'm driving, and I have this, I'm driving in my car, I have this terrible headache I mean it's one of the worst headaches I think I've had up to that point in my life and I'm, I'm like I'm either going to pull over and take a nap or I'm going to take off my glasses and it's nighttime so I did the the least wise thing that you could possibly do which was I took off my my contacts and I I drove all the way home and it, it was just like everything that I passed had this haze and this fuzziness all around it and and, and, you know, thanks be to God, I'm, I'm here. And I survived. I'm here preaching a Christmas message to, to you this morning and and, but but that's what it's like before the light of Christ, before the sun of righteousness rises in our hearts. It's like everything, the stoplight was just hazy and fuzzy. I knew the, the outline of it, and I knew the outline of the red light and the green light, and I, and I could tell by shapes and things of where I was at and where I was turning and going. This is before, this is 2003, before they had uh, uh, um, the, the cell phone GPS, and so I was going by memory of, you know, that's how we used to drive, right, by memory, <laughs> and uh and so I was going home where I needed to go, but everything was fuzzy and hazy, and, and that's what it's like. For those who have not had the sun of righteousness rise in your heart, everything has lost its meaning. There's not the ultimate meaning that we look for in our life. This is what it's like before we come to embrace the light of Christ, before we come to fear his name. We need the sun of righteousness to rise in our heart. We need the sunrise to visit us From on high so we can see correctly. So we can see correctly. So the first two things that we've seen this morning from this prophetic voice from Malachi is that the darkness is pervasive for those who reject the light. The light is brighter than the sun for those who have eyes to see. And thirdly, this morning, healing comes to comfort and save those who are willing. Look back to our text. Malachi 4, 2. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. Healing in its wings. What kind of wings bring healing? Chicken wings. (laughs) Some of you think they bring healing to my tummy. (laughs) I mean, uh, healing wings. You don't ever think of healing wings, do you? What kind of wings bring healing? What does that mean? I think there's another section in scripture that tells us what healing wings look like. You know those who rejected the Messiah that was prophesied in Isaiah 53, that they looked back and they said, we esteemed him not. You know who those people were? They were primarily the scribes and Pharisees in Jesus' day. They rejected Christ over and over and over again. In spite of all the evidence of who Christ was, they rejected him. And Jesus writes, In Matthew 23, he writes one of the most scathing rebukes of anyone that he ever rebuked. It's called the seven woes woes of the scribes and Pharisees. And Jesus, he he gives judgment and horror to the scribes and Pharisees. Listen to his words. Matthew 23 says, but woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Woe to you, blind guides. You're blind you're blind, you can't see correctly. Woe to you, blind fools. Woe to you, for you are like white washed tombs. This is exactly what we've been seeing described what I've talked about earlier, they're groping about in the darkness, looking For truth and light, and light is standing right in front of them, but they're blind gods, they're blind fools. They're supposed to have known the truth. The truth is standing right in front of them. They had all of the prophecies from the Torah that pointed to the Messiah that was to come, and he was standing right in front of them, but the darkness was so pervasive that they could not see. They were blind gods, they were blind fools, and they were leading others astray. And the healing that they so desperately needed was right in front of them, but they were rejecting the light. They were rejecting the truth. And Jesus is rebuking them, and he's telling them, he's saying, oh, you're blind, and you're in darkness, and you're fools. And he concludes his rebuke with describing his heart for them. Matthew 23, this is what healing wings Sounds like Matthew 23, this is what healing wings are. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, speaking to Israel, to the Pharisees, to the scribes, to the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, who reject the messengers of God, who reject Malachi, who reject Jeremiah, who reject Isaiah, who reject the prophets, who reject the word of God incarnate. Woe to you. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets, How often, Jesus said to them, when I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. How often, what are healing wings? It's like the wings, it's like the wings of that hen, that mother hen that would gather her chicks under her wings to protect them to protect them from the weather, to protect them from harm, to feed them, to nourish them, to care for them. And Jesus, I can see him standing over Jerusalem, crying out to Jerusalem. He's rebuking the scribes and Pharisees that are in pervasive darkness, who have, who have rejected the light of the incarnation. And he's crying out to them. He's saying, He's saying, how often I would have gathered you to myself and protected you under my wings, but you were not. Willing. But you were not willing. You're not willing. The Lord of creation calls out to the scribes and Pharisees how often I would have gathered you. But you weren't willing. You weren't willing. You wouldn't listen. You wouldn't listen. You think you knew more. You think you knew better. You think you... You think you had it figured out and you didn't need anybody to help you. You, you, you know the word. You know the prophecies. You, you know more. You, you're experts in the law. You know more. You know more. Have you ever had a conversation with a teenager that sounded a little bit like that? It might be what it sounded like. You ever, you ever had like that type of conversation? Like a parent who's been around the block a few times and they give advice to their kids. The kids say, mm-hmm, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds good. And you know full well, they're going to be like Frank Sinatra. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do it my way. Isn't that humanity? I'm going to do it my way. Stumbling about in the darkness, groping in the darkness, trying to find the light, trying to find hope, trying to find meaning. And the darkness is pervasive in the lives of those who reject the light. But Christ comes in the incarnation and declares that if you will look to me, if you, will, if you will find refuge under my wings, you can have hope and peace and comfort and joy and true meaning and purpose. But, but we say, no, I'll do it my way. I'll do it my way. I'll pursue the things of the world that would distract me from finding truth and purpose and meaning and fulfillment. You were not willing the Lord is calling today. He's still calling today. Will you come to Christ? Will you come to me? Will you come to me and find forgiveness and healing? And you know what's, what's interesting, what's not interesting, but what's tragic, what is sad about the conclusion of what Jesus says to Jerusalem? He says, how often I would have gathered you as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. So one thing that tells us is that Christ is not forced on anyone. You have to make a decision so whether you will receive him or not. But notice for those who reject him. See, your house is left to you desolate. The end in the life of someone who rejects Christ is desolation, is emptiness. That's that's the end. When you reject the only light that can bring true hope and meaning and purpose and fulfillment in your life, when you reject it, the end is desolation. Your house is left to you desolate. Rejection of Christ's call will leave us empty. So what happens to those who fear the name of the Lord? What happens to those who are listening to this message and they don't just see it as a religious routine that they're doing? What happens for those who, who move from a position of, of maybe mocking and i am just got to get through this because... But I came to see my grandkids or my, or my aunt and an uncle came to see my nephews and nieces and I got to get through this. What happens for those who transition from that position to a position of fearing the name of the Lord? What happens? What happens for those who embrace the light of the gospel? What happens for those who hide for safety under the shadow of the Almighty? Look back to the text in Malachi Malachi 4, verse 2, but for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings, and you shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. Wow. What does that mean? You fear the Lord, you're like a calf. Let out from the stall. Well, I don't know a lot about calves. I'm not a farmer. I appreciate those who farm. Cows and calves and raise calves and the cows. And I like milk and I like beef. But, you know, when I think about this picture of, cow, of calves coming out of the stall, it's the idea of, of a calf being let out of the stall for the first time to be able to walk for the first time, right? When I, when I thought about that, I thought about the toddler prison that we put toddlers in. You guys know what that is? The toddler prison? We put a cage around our toddler's in the living room or in the bedroom and we're trying to keep them caged in. This is a picture of what happens when you open up the cage and you let the toddlers out. It's just kind of like, you know, they are just carefree and you're kind of stumbling around and you're barely walking and you're fumbling around, but but there's just care, it's carefree. You have no care in the world, no fear. You're just stumbling around. It's this joy-filled, peace-filled, no worries, full of contentment, I'm so happy to be out. I'm so happy to be free. You who fear the Lord, you who embrace Christ not only as a baby born in Bethlehem, but a Savior who died to take your place, you who have received Christ, will be like that toddler let out of prison, like a calf let out of the stall. Peace, joy, contentment, no matter what's going on, Around us in the world today, no matter the chaos and the drama and the anxiety-inducing situations that happen, how many of you, you, you get tired of watching the news and you get tired of seeing all the pain and the chaos and the drama? For those who fear the name of the Lord, we have a place to rest our head at night. It's under the shadow of his wings. We have peace. We have joy. We'll be filled with joy, peace, contentment, rest, healing, forgiveness like a calf, free from the stall like a toddler, free from prison. We'll be able to say, as the psalmist David said, this will be the declaration of all those who have looked to the light, who have embraced the light of Christ. This is what we'll say. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. What about you today? Will you receive Christ? Will you allow the Son of Righteousness to rise in your heart? Will you you stay in the pervasive darkness? Or will you allow the Son of Righteousness to rise in your heart? Will you embrace the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Will you fear the name of the Lord? You know, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. True knowledge, true wisdom only comes whenever we reverence God and honor him above all else. That's where your wisdom comes from. I love the song that we opened our worship set with, Joy to the World. And I love that they sang the old version and not the new one. Listen to these words again. I just love this. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him Room Is a room in your heart today for Christ. And heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. What are we going to employ? We're going to employ our songs. Why? Because the fields and the floods and the rocks and the hills and the plains, they're going to be singing too. But we're going to repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Listen, no more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest The ground, he comes to make his blessings flow. Listen, far as the curse is found. Far as the curse is found. Our Savior has reversed the curse of sin today. The incarnation represents the fact that our Savior has reversed the curse. How far has the curse gone? It's gone everywhere. It's reached everywhere. It's infected everything. And everyone, and today Christmas is about the fact that the curse has been reversed through Christ through his incarnation and that we and that we can look to the son of righteousness and find true healing. He rules the world with truth and grace and he makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness. And wonders of his love. And wonders and wonders and wonders of his love. His great love. Amen. Amen. Merry Christmas. I love you. I pray you have a great day today. Celebrating the son of righteousness. Would you bow your heads with me? Maybe there's somebody here today. Today of all days can be the day that you receive the greatest gift. Greater than that gift you've been anticipating. That physical gift. You can receive the greatest gift that anyone can ever receive. The gift of the son of righteousness, Jesus Christ, rising in your heart, making you new, forgiving you of your sins. Today can be your day That you can point back to from years to come, and you can say, December 2020, December 25th, 2022, I received Christ at Christmas and I was born again. If you are here today, with no one looking around, just between you and the Lord, if you're here today, and you recognize you are a sinner in need of a Savior, you have rebelled against God, and your heart is convicted, the Holy Spirit is drawing you to Himself and you want to repent and believe and put your faith in the gospel, the good news of Jesus' sacrifice for you on the cross, if that is you today and you want to receive Christ at Christmas as your Savior today, if that's you, would you lift your hand? Is there anybody here today you would say on Christmas, I want to become a Christian who follows Christ? Is there anybody? Would you lift your hand? Just an acknowledgement. Yes, thank you. Anybody else? You want to receive Christ at Christmas. Anybody else? Amen. In the quietness of your heart, whether you raise your hands or you didn't, the quietness of your heart, I'm going to pray your prayer, and you just respond in your heart with that prayer in your own words and commit to Christ. The Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 9, if you believe in your heart that Jesus is God, that he was raised from the dead, that you will be born again. Believe and confess Christ as Lord. So, Father, we come before you this morning and, and there are those in here today that want to receive Christ at Christmas as their Savior. I pray, God, that they would do that today. Lord, we receive you today. We repent of our sins and we acknowledge you as our Savior and our Lord. And, and we, we ask, God, that you would fill our hearts. The Son of Righteousness would rise in our hearts. And that we would be made brand new, new creations in Christ. I pray that you would forgive and heal, and restore all those who are looking, who are searching. I thank you for today, the opportunity we have to be with our families, to celebrate your incarnation, your birth. I pray that you would bless our fellowship, bless our time. I pray a blessing over your people, those that are here, those that are watching online. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy in our life. We thank you for the son of righteousness that has healing in his wings, It gives us comfort and peace and joy. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.